to IP over coffee, your weekly coffee break where you will learn about the fun part of intellectual property rights. I'm Alena Kapachova and I am Maria Gomez and we are the host of the podcast. In this coffee break, we will provide you with some tips and tricks about intellectual property rights on top of interesting legal cases. Grab your coffee, tea or drink of preference and let's start. Hi, Maria. How are you today? Very good, thank you. Very happy to be in our last episode of the first season. Yes, we made it through all these uh, 10 episodes. Hope you guys also enjoyed. More to come, of course. Yes. So how was um, how was uh, in general life in the lockdown? Well, I must say, I think the lockdown for us has been tough, like for everyone, but we have made so much happen. Yeah, we had so much time to finally work on the podcast and create all these episodes for you guys. So it's, it has been good. It has been keeping us busy. Uh, I think we do deserve a bit of a rest now too. To yes, get fresh definitely. ideas. <laughs> yes, and to uh, to get more feedback from you. So please leave any feedback if you have or any questions you have about yeah. our podcast. I mean, we will be on social media. So if you want to contact us and we will be posting content on social media, extra content. So please go to our social media channels and uh, follow us because there will be more information there. Yes. So, so keep, uh, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. And today we have a very relaxing episode and very nice topic actually connected to the name of our podcast. Yeah. I don't think coffee is relaxing for everyone. For me is, it wakes me up. So I know people fall asleep drinking coffee, but yes, it's related to coffee, but it's related to... Um, to more relaxing experience. Um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. always nice to have a coffee with friends. So this is what we're going to do today, right? Yes, exactly. And with a very famous brand in the coffee business. And the brand is Bialetti. Yes. Bialetti, uh, you must... If you, if you never heard about this, you uh, must have seen the famous Mocha Express uh, machines. Uh, well, it's not there actually the machines, but um, the Mocha uh, pots where you can make amazing espresso in the morning. Yeah, these are the coffee makers. They're especially popular in Europe and in Latin America. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you are from another country, you might not have seen them as popular because you might have filter coffee. For example, Swedish people mm -hmm. drink or the, filter or the coffee. coffee machine, like a big one. But this one is yeah. the, the one for making that mocha nice little Italian style coffee yes. at yeah. home. So it's really nice. So if you're on your travel, I uh, hope soon we'll be, we'll be allowed one to day. travel. <laughs> in Italy, you can see uh, this um, uh, mochas. Uh, in Italian, uh, the name is uh, Caffettiera, yes? Caffettiera. Caffettiera, yeah. yes. I mean, my Italian is not perfect, but I'll try to mention it properly, okay? So sorry for any Italian uh, listener that maybe I make some mistakes, but I'll try. So, yeah, it's called Mocha Pot, but also Cafetiera and Macchinetta del Café, which is small coffee machine in Italian. 
Yes, exactly. And this um, coffee uh, maker you can find almost in every Italian family and yeah. many families in Europe. Yeah, Spanish families. We normally have one. My, is, it, is it big? For how many cups? So my grandparents used to have one for 14 or 15 cups. I think it was 14 cups. Except for a big, a big family. Big one. Yeah, they were five, uh, five children. So a lot of coffee drinkers there. And uh, at home... Uh, we had two different ones, also big ones. Mm-hmm. And when I went on my Erasmus, the first you also got to your I own bought sp- my own mocha coffee machine in Belgium, Bialetti, 35 euros. I oh, remember every not. single thing in Excel, Brussels, because I needed coffee to study. And the coffee, and the filter the... coffee is not the same. I'm very sorry if you love filter coffee, and now I can drink filter and coffee because mm-hmm. I'm becoming Swedish. Uh, it's not the same. This one is stronger. And the Bialetti coffee maker is the easiest and cheapest way to do a very good coffee at home. It's really good coffee. It's certainly, I know nowadays you find a lot of non-Bialetti uh, mocha machines yeah, in the market, mm-hmm. but the Bialetti one is really, really good. Yeah, and uh, by the way, this episode is not sponsored by Bialetti, yeah. but by our love to good coffee. <laughs> we like the brand, but if, if Bialetti wants to participate with us in IP over coffee, they're more than welcome, by the way. <laughs> yeah, before jumping into discussing intellectual property rights of this brand, uh, a small history um, of this brand. It was invented in 1933 in Italy by Alfonso Bialetti. And it's actually started uh, back then. Back then in Italy, in families, you couldn't have this uh, affordable uh, coffee makers. Mm-hmm. There were some machines like Neapolitana, uh, we, they, where they used the similar methods of making coffee, but still they were huge. And usually people went to cafes yeah. uh, in the cities to have your espresso. I think that's very cultural because, for mm-hmm. example, that's why Starbucks didn't succeed in Italy. The culture around coffee in Italy is that you go you have your espresso yeah. and then you have the and shot. you continue. Yes. You have that, so that shot that be. is amazing. <laughs> With yeah. lots of energy. Yeah. Yeah, energy boost. So how, how it happened? Uh, that time uh, in Italy, in 30s, um, actually, uh, economically speaking, they didn't have access to a lot of uh, metal. And uh, aluminium was proclaimed by the government of those times as their metal of Italy. So mm-hmm. everything, they even had a special federation for aluminium producers. Mm-hmm. And they tried to create uh, more products out there. So because that was more affordable, that and Italy had a lot of uh, aluminium. It's also interesting because aluminium is a metal that uh, is, a, is a material that can be easily mm-hmm. shaped yeah. with different machinery, but other metals are harder, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, aluminium is easier to shape. So it makes sense that all the development around this industry was connected to the aluminium industry. Yeah, and uh, even um, usually aluminium is considered as a cheap metal, but um, back in those times, it actually was a revolutionary idea to make something affordable for every family to have uh, at home. So Alfonso Bialetti first uh, developed first uh, um, mocha, 
Um, the mocha pot. The, yeah. yeah, the mocha pot. You can check the pictures on our website later. Well, uh, we we'll put the link. <laughs> yes, and actually it was yeah it was made from aluminium and with a small uh, wooden um, uh, attention that uh, addition that you can uh, take. So now it's more with the plastic. Yes, yeah, a special plastic. Yeah, the hand. Uh, yeah. So the hunger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And uh, since then, of course, the design changed, but not that much. So it's really interesting that this uh, Italian design of Mocha Express became really um, uh, something associated with the coffee machine. <laughs> yeah. But Alfonso Violetti founded the company, but he was not the inventor, right, of the mo- first Mocha pot, because this Mocha pot was patented. It was a revolutionary invention because it was solving a problem. People could not make coffee at home in the same mm-hmm. quality as in a coffee shop. Coffee shop understood as everywhere else except in the Netherlands. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, this was the kind of most affordable way to have very good quality yeah. coffee at home. But the, the invention was... There was another inventor who created this uh, po- uh, coffee pot, right? Yes, exactly. Actually, I checked a few patents. Um, there is a very interesting website, Google Patents Database. Everyone can have a, can have a look and search for patents, and they have a very good selection of very old patents from 19th century even in the mm-hmm. US. By the way, Google does not promote this podcast, but we are also <laughs> open to possibilities <laughs> and collaborations. Yes, and um, the mocha is... Pre- uh, the the way of making coffee in a mocha was n- uh, was inspired by other inventions. Uh, okay. while, uh, in England and the, in the United States, they used something similar, but not specifically like that. So, for example, they were also using uh, water to go through the filter, but then uh, going several times. Okay. So And for mocha, it was specifically then as, one soon, time. as soon as, yes, water goes through the coffee filter, it stays in the separate um, part of the machine and it doesn't mix with the rest of water. Yeah, it's interesting because the filtering goes mm-hmm. normally like up from top to down mm-hmm. and this coffee machine goes from down to top. Yes, because of the pressure of... Um, Hot water. Yes, exactly. Some physics. <laughs> We're not physics experts, but uh, it's interesting. It's really interesting to see how Luigi de Ponte was the inventor, right? Uh, yes. Uh, it was um, actually there. Uh, you can see that uh, in Wikipedia that it says that uh, it was patented in 1933, even though I haven't found uh, the patent from those times. But there is a patent from 1951. So it's a bit. Um, or 1946. Wasn't it one, the first mm-hmm. one in 1946? We will have yes. all the links to the yeah. patents mm-hmm. on our notes on the website, ipovercoffee.com. So you can check because it's really nice to see the drawings yeah. and to understand the mechanism. And when we see it now, you may say like, okay, but it's, this is understandable. Imagine at the time that you didn't have that invention. So all this development is really interesting. Oh, yes. And uh, by the way, they uh, filed for this patent after the Second World War, uh, mainly because before that, 
uh, Bialetti company didn't invest much into the mass production of the machines. It was more reinvented by the son of Alfonso Bialetti after Second World War, uh, when uh, uh, and they invested a lot into marketing. There was an international exhibition in Milano, I believe, and you could see uh, maybe 50s, 60s. You could see the Bialetti. Um, marketing all, all over the streets oh, in nice. Milan. So they really wanted to make it uh, visible and uh, that everyone could buy it. So this is a family business that they yeah. started more from an idea of uh, small crafted items to later mass production exactly. and spreading internationally. So this is why we also have these coffee machines in other uh, countries. Yes, and speaking here about patent... Uh, Uh, we need to note that patent protection is not eternal. Yes. <laughs> the pat- Some people yeah. wish, but no, it's limited on t- in time. And even though that um, idea of making coffee was revolutionary those times, after some time, everyone the market could use it. Yes, because... Because patent expired. I mean, we're talking about a situ- uh, the 30s, 1930s. So that's more than 20 years ago. And normally patents, with some exceptions, yeah. they last 20 years from the moment you file it. Yes, exactly. And uh, there is no option to prolong protection unless for some specific situation with a medical. Yeah, pharmacy, drugs. but yeah. this is not. But that pharma. was uh, not the case. Oh. So, and imagine you already invested a lot in your marketing of the reality machines and then eventually some other competitors wanted to start selling the same things. What the company did, Maria? Well, it's interesting because there are two strategies to follow here, which the company took. One yep. is going through design protections. So mm-hmm. every time they were changing, they were registering designs, rights or uh, designed patents in the United States. And also the creation of the brand and registering the trademarks. Plus, they were also uh, patenting uh, improvements to the invention, right? Yes, uh, Bialetti company still owns a lot of patents in Europe and the United States. We will put also a link on our website if you check it, if you want to check it out. Yes, so talking about uh, the improvements, um, you can patent a new invention or you can also try to patent, if it fulfills all the requirements, um, improvements that solve a problem. So... That's why it's interesting if your business is with something that's really revolutionary that mm-hmm. you, you may want to invest in new patents. Um, but also they went for design protection. And it makes complete sense because if you go now to Bialetti online shop, uh, you, you can will see, see a variety of different a models. lot of new designs colors, shapes. And even with new technology, they are also yeah. using now electricity to, uh, instead of uh, normal gas uh, yes. stove. Yes. Uh, so a lot of these um, new models were introduced and for every model, uh, Bialetti filed for design protection. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I believe for every model. Well, we don't know exactly for every model, mm-hmm. but for a lot of models yes. you can find. There are many different shapes, sizes, Colors. I saw one that looked like Robin Hood. <laughs> uh, it's it's actually a very cool uh, Alpine green mocha. Nice. Uh, specifically made for, I believe, uh, yeah, because their company was founded close to Milano, so mm-hmm. close to uh, Alps uh, mountains. Yes. Beautiful area. 
Yeah, and they specifically designed this green uh, hooded uh, mocha machine. (laughs) It's really, really cute. And it's protected by Italian design. Uh, I I believe the design laws in Italy are specifically strong because of the design industry that is uh, very well developed in Italy. Well, it makes sense uh, that uh, the Italian system goes for the design protection. They do have a lot of design in the country Mm -hmm. and... yeah. It, it makes sense. It is important it's not to only for fashion, that. but mm-hmm. they also have a lot of furniture and yeah. And speaking of coffee. that, uh, when we say that they uh, filed for design registrations, they got the certificates. But also, in the Europe- European Union, uh, there are two regimes to protect your designs. True. So registered we- and unregistered designs. What yes. is the difference, Elena? Yeah, registered designs are similar to in their in the procedure similar to trademarks, so you receive a certificate and you have a specific um, time period when you have registration. Usually it's uh, up to 20 years, yes. I believe. Not like trademarks. So trademarks, you can renew yeah, them. Yeah, those are eternal. <laughs> you can renew them every five years. Normally they last 10 years per jurisdiction. But designs expire. Yes. So similar to patents they also have limited time mm-hmm. and in Europe uh, there are, there is a regime of uh, European design protection so mm-hmm. you apply for the, to the office in Alicante Spain uh, and get the protection automatically for all the countries in the European Union. The 26 European Union 26 countries? 26 already. <laughs> yes because they, we are not 27 anymore since Brexit. Yes. And of Let's course, not you get about that. <laughs> Maybe another episode. Uh, of course, you can also have a national uh, design protection and apply for national design in a specific country, for example, in Italy. Yes, but then your protection is just in that jurisdiction. Yes, exactly. So it makes sense if you're going to be an international company selling all around Europe that you go for mm-hmm. European registered designs. Very easy, one certificate covering all the countries. But what is an unregistered design? Unregistered design is a very interesting legal regime. Actually, you don't need to do anything as a right holder, as a what is a right holder? As a designer. So the person who actually owns the right. Some legal knowledge here. (laughs) Yes. So if your company is designing something, then Mm -hmm. it would be the company. If you as a particular as a person, individual person, you want to design something, Mm -hmm. that would be you. Yes, and as soon as you create something and you put it on the market, you get this automatic protection by unregister- as unregistered design right for three years. But you need fu- to fulfill the requirements. So what are the requirements for a de- design protection in Europe? The, the, there are two requirements, novelty and individual character. Yes. The design should be new, so never was in the market before. Even the small alterations, amendments, I think, should be fine. But new, new, well, novelty is a bit more complicated. Um, so we will discuss more and we, we will talk about that in an, another episode because it can be difficult and individual character also We'll have other episodes. Yeah, so we will cover more design, we'll provide more knowledge about design in the next episodes. Yeah. Because actually, registered designs in Europe is 25 years. Yes. 20 is the patent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and registered designs protection is for three years. Three years. Uh, It's actually very uh, wide. It was introduced mainly to protect industries where there is no, that doesn't make sense to obtain longer 
design protection, like in the fashion industry. Fast fashion. Yes, <laughs> when where you have uh, a new collection and only for a few months, it may be even less. So there is you don't need to apply for protection and uh, and get certificate for one type of the yeah. dress. Because maybe in three years, years, that dress is out of fashion. So no one wants to buy it anymore. Makes sense. But so Bialetti went for designs in Europe, also for design patents in the United States. And they were creating this. They were uh, getting patents. But also we mentioned that they have a very strong brand. Yes, very strong um, brand based on trademark rights. And trademarks are very cool uh, um, intellectual property rights because they're almost eternal as soon as you renew them <laughs> renew them pay uh, renewable fees you yes. can have your trademark for a long time and the first uh, Violetti award mark was registered uh, I think in the 60s long time ago and uh, still um, alive yeah which means that it's alive because it's not having a life but they are yeah. over and over renewing Renewed. it. I'm using a lot of legal <laughs> knowledge today. Yeah. And then uh, what they did, they also created a special logo. Yeah, so cute and so recognizable. Oh, what's the name of the so logo? So the logo is Leomini, sorry, Leomino con i baffi. So the the mustachoid little man. And uh, it was designed by the illustrator Paolo Campani. And it was... Uh, caricature of Alfonso's uh, son, so the original founder of Bialetti's son, Mm -hmm. Renato Bialetti, the person who actually later was um, spreading the trademark internationally, Mm -hmm. like building the company Mm -hmm. for mass production. So it's a caricature and you can see a man with the arm up pointing to the sky and the moustache and the... This suit and is very is characteristic. is is really interesting. Yeah, this logo shows uh, this man who kind of shows um, an Italian uh, a man who who is o- who is ordering and one espresso <laughs> exactly. because he's pointing with one <laughs> finger up. So kind uh, going. It's like going to a cafe and uh, asking for one espresso, please. Yes. And they were actually were promoted making specific um, illustrations for, uh, for, for the use of a uh, mocha machine mm. um, with this, with this uh, little man and uh, illustrations how to use the mocha. Yeah. So, and it was uh, clearly as easy as just to get some water, putting uh, coffee in a special uh, part of their machine, then waiting, and then you have well, you put it on the, hop, on the hot yeah. stove. Yeah, I think it's interesting that initially the trademark uh, of um, their logo was in color, and now this is pretty much in black and white. Yes, because and the logo uses yeah. in black and white, and the logo maybe. you can find on every mocha. Yes, machine. Yeah, yes, is that's why how easy you can recognize a Violetti product is that the logo is on, on the product. Yeah. If you buy a generic uh, mocha uh, that is not of Bialetti, you can't see this logo on it. But when you also buy a generic uh, coffee machine, you realize that it's not Bialetti because normally it's not the same shape, right? Yes, actually, they also register specific trademarks to show. It's a 3D trademark of the mocha pot showing how it looks like. 
Uh, so a special um, octagonal, how was it Yes, called? an yes. octagonal, an octagonal shape, and with the with the with the logo on the machine. So nowadays, I do have a Mocha Bialetti pot at home, a small one, the one I bought when I was in Brussels. And it looks like that. With, uh, with it's it. exactly like this, and mm-hmm. I have a generic one which is bigger too. And if we count the the angles that it has, the ability one has eight exact mm-hmm. angles. Also, every finish is very clean. The quality is really high. The generic one, the plastic is less good. Uh, the endings of the metal are rougher, not cut like nicely. You yeah. can cut your finger if you don't Ooh. touch it with care. So you do see the difference between a generic one and an original reality one. Yeah, so and and it's not that we again are. Bro- we like <laughs> the brand, okay? But if, if them, they but like IP yeah. over coffee, they're more than welcome to contact us. <laughs> yeah, we really love the brand, and I hope that the company will develop more models and survive because they also faced some issues, and where we are going to give you more tips and tricks about that. That uh, as consumer habits changed yeah. and more and coffee big coffee machines also became more affordable. Uh, there were, I, I believe the sales of Bialetti Mocas uh, um, were dropping a bit. So they also invested a lot into new designs with new technology like electricity and also making some other products. So it's also important to invest a lot in your brand and uh, to protect your brand. Before you go there, yeah. let's jump into the tips and tricks. Yes. But yeah, it's interesting to bear in mind that consumption trends change, times change, so you need to adapt with them. Great, let's jump into tips and tricks. So first tip, uh, Elena, what what are we saying here? Yeah, I really wanted to jump into that <laughs> as soon as possible. Invest in your brand. Invest in your brand because design and patents rights expire with time. And despite your success and uh, success of the brand, the product is uh, not guaranteed to bring commercial success forever. Of course, uh, competitors can uh, use your invention after the pro- uh, the patent is expired or designs are not there. So it's they always expire too. Yeah. yeah. So it's really important to invest into the brand more more than uh, just um, just the, the product itself. Mm-hmm. But your name, your logo should be recognizable by consumers. Yeah. And branding is bre- very very broad. It's not just trademark protection. That's part of branding. But branding is also all the promotion, all the marketing, how much reputation you get to that brand of yours. So in this case, if you want good homemade mocha coffee, you would go for a Bialetti uh, mocha machine, mm-hmm. but you will also have to buy good mocha coffee, the powder, the yeah, yeah. proper grounded coffee. So it's interesting how important it is to invest and create your brand, also looking for the future. Yes, and, uh, and the second tip would be use all types of intellectual property rights protection well, all that you are have available. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a startup and you don't have funds, it's very interesting to be strategic and go for mm-hmm. those things that can bring you the best revenue or the best, like, um, 
result for the investment, okay? So uh, maybe you don't need to go for a patent uh, protection because you don't have the funds and mm-hmm. maybe you will be spending too much money. But maybe you go for a brand protection, so the trademark protection, because you create a strong, mm-hmm. big brand. So use be aware of all the resources you have outside there. So you have design rights, registered and unregistered, patent rights, trademark rights, copyrights, trade secrets, and make a strategy for your product that strategy has to also be able to grow. Yes, to think about the future. If you are thinking to develop, to introduce new models for how long you are going to use a specific product. And where you're going to sell. So it's not the same that your jurisdiction is just, where you're going to sell is just one country, or if you're going to go internationally, or if you want to sell just in your town. Be aware of the differences because you don't need the same for each kind of strategy. Yes, exactly. So be strategical, basically think in advance and prepare for the future. Those are our tips, right? Sound great. And brand, brand, invest in your brand. Yes. So that was the case uh, related to coffee, to our wonderful favorite brands. And uh, with this case, we are finishing uh, our season one for the podcast. And we will have more coming in the future. However, in the meanwhile, if you want to connect with us and get other content, extra content, we're going to be posting on our social media, especially on Instagram. Yes, please follow and see what is out there. Thank you for listening to the last episode of the first season of IP Over Coffee. We will have a well-deserved break before we come back with season two. In the meanwhile, you can find extra content on our website, ipovercoffee.com, and our social channels, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find us as ipovercoffee all together. We will be especially active on Instagram, so don't miss it and follow us. Before we go, we would like to ask you to subscribe and rate the podcast on your preferred application. This helps us grow, so don't be shy. More episodes in the next season.